Making me nervous up here. Um, so how are we doing? Um, a lot of good effort, some things to learn from, some positive things, some negative things. Um, that's probably the nature of the first week out. It's good to learn those lessons and explore those things with the win. Um, I don't care what time of year it is, we play and play to win. It was exciting. I'm on the, oh, oh, how the heck did he get out of a couple of those? But uh, he's a playmaker. It's only one series for the, the starters, but you threw the ball every play. Everyone was at the same time. Are you telling me to run the damn ball? Um, yes, it's always great to win. It is. But, you know, in the end, we got a lot of work to do. Oh, football is back when you got post-game press conferences saying all the right things, all the cliches, everybody's playing to win, even in the preseason. The only thing you're doing in the preseason is playing to be around for the regular season, or more specifically, have most of your key players there. There was one significant development in that regard. We will get to that coming up. But before that, we say, good morning. It's Monday. It's PFT Live. It's Peacock, Sirius XM 85, Sky Sports UK and Ireland, they get it a little bit later, 7 o'clock their time, prime time. Chris Sims, Mike Florio here with you. And also, we can't neglect the podcast audience, which is inexplicably growing exponentially. Good morning, Christopher. Hello, Michael. How are you, man? You doing good? You had a good weekend? Family was there, I saw. You had one of your, uh, I guess it's your nephew. What the hell is that? Great nephew. Great great nephew, right. Great nephew. Look at you, all cuddly with a baby, sending pictures to the group. Who knew you had such a warm side? And did you? Oh, look! This is—it's typical. You—you you just threw the kid in the middle of the pool. Nobody's there with him. Here, Sink just or swim. Float. Sink float. or swim. <laughs> You're not. Did you get in with the baby? Did the baby make no. you get in? No. His parents were in there. They just there was a moment oh where they God. decided to let him let him paddle his way out. They 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 were able to retrieve him. He he is safe and sound. What there a cutie. He is afterward, he Seriously. was wiped out yep. after a half hour or so in the pool. Great kid. Great time. And I don't know if we have his awesome onesie that trolls the Steelers and the city they represent. Wow, how dare you? That made a little bit of a stir on Friday. Now, my niece and uh, her son and the father of the baby are all huge Browns fans. So it was understandable that he would have a onesie that says, I just got here and I already hate Pittsburgh. (laughs) He's a little troll. I like (laughs) it. I endorse it. It was awesome. We had a great time. How about you? I I saw you engaging in some activities that potentially could put you on injured reserve depending <laughs> upon how far your ass bounces when you hit that slide. Uh, yeah, Philip had his 12th birthday, so we did that. We had one of those big, you know, blow-up slides, water going down it. You know, you could go two at a time, and the kids always are like, Dad, come on, Dad, come on. So, of course, I'd do it a few times. And, yeah, my back was a little sore on Sunday morning, and I was like, man, why am I so sore between throwing kids in the pool and then, yeah, going down a, a water slide that is not made for somebody that's 6'5", 230 was a little, <laughs> a little stressful on that part of my body. Was this a rental slide or is this just something you keep in your garage and inflate whenever you feel like no, it? No, no. Water through it. Rent, rental slide. Rental slide. Yep. You know, just <clears throat> one of those things they brought in for the day of the birthday party. So it was a lot of fun and uh, it was a good day. Phillips 12. Phillips 12, Charlotte 16. I don't know what the hell's going on. I don't know how my yeah, kids got so old. old. Yeah, it's scary. You're getting old. It really is. And I'm here for it. Even though I keep getting older as you do, <laughs> I still enjoy you realizing all the grief you've put me through the past five years as you inevitably catch up to the age that I was when I first had to start dealing with, with me. you. Yeah, right. Speaking We're of the onesie from earlier, a 
baby who's only four months old and is yet to truly appreciate the value of football fandom and hating the opposition. That's his mother's doing. Really cute. But you got like a, it's like a Gerber baby right there. I mean, oh, he's awesome. It's unreal. And, and it's, you know, you just he, you start talking to him and he starts smiling. Right. I mean, he is so happy. My, my mug in his face and he still smiles. Yeah, that's, that's when you I'm know he's got a good heart. He looks at you and yeah. he can still smile. It's a really extra special heart there for sure. <laughs> I was almost late today, too. Um, I, what happened was... These, you know, I do the makeup. I stand in front of these LED lights because it gives me maximum opportunity. I've been wondering to make sure that, where you've been doing the makeup because usually well, we do it right here. And you know, the last while here, you've been hiding somewhere. No, it's been it's been a while. Part of it is I'm not trying to give the folks in the back any more ammunition for footage that can and will be used against. Right. Us. That said, as I was and and I I like I, I put the makeup on and I realized. That I mean, you get you know you get you get hair growing right under your nose like it's part of your mustache, and it's hard to get to it. It is and hard to get to it. Some days you miss, <laughs> and I'm looking, and I and I don't know, maybe I've missed for like three or four days, and it's I get this little patch of hair that's growing right under my nose. You know, high definition is not very forgiving as it is. The last thing I need is this tiny little mustache. Growing right under my nose, so I had to run downstairs and yeah. shave it off. Don't be so that guy. That's right. Don't be that old guy. There's always that old guy. You ever notice that at a party or like anything else where they either miss spots or they have nose hairs coming out of their nose, and you're like, did, did, did your wife or did you not look at yourself in the mirror? You got like nose hairs coming out like you're a – I, like they're like tusks from a an elephant, okay? Like somebody tell this guy or the guy with like tons of ear hair. Like there's always that guy there, so don't be him. You're better than that. <laughs> it, it is important to continue good grooming habits long after your eyesight fails you. That's the problem, <laughs> right? Like right. things that things that I do now to make sure that visible hair isn't present, whether it's ears or nose or, and that's usually it. It's ears or nose. Yeah. Like the ear hair is a thing and I it don't is. get it. Like why in the hell do your and I'm sure somebody now is going to email the answer to me that I really don't care why I have no interest in the physiology of the growth of ear hair. The older you get, I just know it happens and it's a challenge with tweezers and other mechanisms to keep that under control but today i had to run downstairs i did the quick math it was 656 four minutes to air i got to get all the way downstairs across the garage into the bathroom calm down enough to shave it's kind of like the biathlon i had to bring the heart rate down so i could properly shave and not cut myself and then run back up here sit down serenity now and off we go with the show so i was almost late i I was almost late i was disappointed though when i sat down and i heard Courtney say we had 90 seconds, or it was Kristen. I, I, I don't know. I, I, it's Maybe like it Nicole. Courtney. I don't know. Or Who Nicole. knows? <laughs> but, but when I heard 90, I thought, boy, I was hoping I was cutting a little closer than that. I was kind of hoping that I'd get back once like we were in black or the show began so then we could tell the story and have some fun with it. I told the story anyway. All right, good. we've wasted good. enough time. You got anything else you want to unload nope. over the past three days? Nope, any, good. Been going strong on my, you know. My... Any any animal hazards, any any additions to the menagerie? No, no, nothing like that. Zoo? No, I'm just the going through still my... still okay? We haven't talked about the geese in a while. The geese are good. They're good. They're very comfortable, happy. They, like, re- become very trustworthy of me. So, I, you know, feeding them a little here and there. They're Bad like geese. my buddies now. I know. Dumb geese. I know. <laughs> I know. Now so. we know why they drown in their rain <laughs> so it was good no good good time and then of course you know i'm still going going strong with my no mary jane here so I'm, I'm doing good i'm halfway through the month and i can see the light at the end of the tunnel 
You got 16 days. You sure you can make it? Yeah, I can make it. I'll make it. I'm good yeah. now. Once you, you, may, those- you may have needed it after I'm after after I saw your that your giant body slide down that slide. I figured you'd be in the kind of pain that would require it. Yeah. For true medicinal reason, not recreation. <laughs> yeah. yeah, not yet, but we'll, we'll, it's, it's, I'm good. Once you get past those first few days, you're good. And then now I just uh, kind of just got to ride it out, but I'll be ready to go come the end of August. Well, as you can imagine, there was a little bit of alcohol consumed here on Friday and Saturday night. So yesterday it was detox for me. I don't know how long the detox is going to last, but yesterday it was one of those days where it's like, I don't even want yeah, a I hear you. wine with dinner. Like, forget it. I need, I need a day. Right, right. Uh, maybe two, maybe more. All right. right, let's get to it. And I, I, I know that, and I don't really care when people decide they want to complain about something, but I at least see it. And sometimes I feel compelled to explain it. Folks, Deshaun Watson's status continues to be the biggest story in the National Football League, especially when there continue to be developments. And as of Friday morning, I was convinced that we were going to have a ruling by 7 p.m. Eastern preventing him from playing Friday night or at all in 2022. And early afternoon, just about the time the baby arrived, I started to get word that a settlement remained possible that Peter Harvey, who's handling the appeal, didn't want to rule, doesn't want to rule, wants the two sides to reach a settlement. And, of course, the NFL has all the leverage here, but the NFL apparently not all that inclined in going to court and maybe having the argument made loudly that owners get a pass while the players get a significant punishment imposed upon them. So Deshaun Watson continues to be a big deal. And in an apparent effort, to lay the foundation for a settlement, we suddenly have contrition from the guy who was reading off of the card, the talking points, not literally reading them off the card, but it was obvious they were talking points because anytime he's asked the question, he falls back to, I never harassed, I never assaulted, I never disrespected any woman. Here he is from the Browns pregame show Friday night speaking to Aditi Kinkabwala and for the first time ever expressing remorse to the women he affected. Here's Deshaun Watson. Look, I want to say that I'm truly sorry to all the women that I've impacted in this situation. Um, my des- decisions that I made in my life that put me in this position, um, you know, I, w- I would definitely like to have back. But I want to continue to move forward and grow and learn and, and show that, you know, I am a, a true person of, of character and I want to keep pushing forward. Grow and learn. We fully expect that there will be some time that you are away from the team. What does your growth on a personal level look like? How are you spending that time? Uh, I know I have a lot of work to put in, uh, especially on the field, to be able to make sure I'm ready to play uh, whenever that time comes, whenever I can step back on the field. But also the biggest thing is I want to continue counseling, and I want to make sure that I'm growing as a person, as an individual, uh, for my decision-making on and off the field, and I want to make sure that you know I'm just evolving in the community as much as possible, and that's for the Cleveland community, that's the NFL community, and beyond. That, that's that's fine, but it's hard not to look at that and listen to that now and understand that this is just a chess move. At a time when he's in checkmate, this is the last couple of pieces, whether it's delaying the inevitable checkmate or reducing the potential impact, some 11th hour damage control. And I'm sorry to feel that way about it, but we've been saying for months 
that this is the tack that he needs to take because it's the right thing to do, not because it's his last little chance to slip out from the worst possible outcome. And he's checking the box and saying the right thing at the last possible moment. This is something that he should have done from the get-go. This is something that should have happened the first time a claim was made against him. His representatives, those in, those in position to advise him, should have had a tough conversation with him and gotten to the bottom of this and fixed it for a variety of reasons, ultimately because it would have been the right thing to do. And right now, it's hard to feel like anyone's trying to do the right thing. It feels like they're trying to do the thing they need to do at the right time to avoid missing the entire season. Yeah. That's my two yeah, cents. I hear you. I mean, he, he's been stubborn through this. You know, the same stubbornness, I think that probably makes him a great football player and a great quarterback. He just did not want to bow down to the fact or, you know, just – you know, deal with some of the feelings or things that he's done to these women and, and been inappropriate, you know, put them in, in situations where obviously it made them feel less than and degraded as a person. But I will say, I don't really, you know, again, maybe too little too late. I hear you there, Mike. I'm with you. But I, I, I'll say I, I still like to see it. I do. I think it was, you know, somewhat genuine there and the fact that, okay, at least he could stand there in front of the camera and say something like that and, and take it a little and, and do some self-reflecting there. You're right. It doesn't seem necessarily the most heartfelt and the fact of the timing because, yeah, it's desperate times here. It is. It's at the very end, and I think you and I are both expecting something harsh as far as the you know, suspension, and maybe that's changed over the weekend with Steve Harvey and where that goes, or Peter Harvey, excuse me. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, uh, anyway, I'm not going to – I'm happy he did it. I, I guess I'm not going to be quite as critical. I am happy he did it. it. It's not an easy thing to admit, and you know, I don't know who he was trying to save face for throughout this whole process, but at least this is the road to recovery – Probably for the victims, I, again, they're probably a little mad, but I got to think some of them are going to go, okay, at least he's manned up to the camera here and said something. And then just for him himself, uh, I think that's going to be, you know, the first step to recovery and, and making himself a better person like he just explained. And look, if it's real, if it's real, I'm a believer in the deathbed conversion. I hear you. I'm a believer in, yeah, right, in right. making amends before it's too late. I just can't help but wonder whether or not it's true. And it could have been false from the get-go. I mean, if it's false, it's false. It doesn't matter when you do it. They should have done something. And when I say something, I mean a true reckoning, not just saying what you have to say to get out of a tough spot. The true reckoning needed to come. And I'd rather have a true reckoning now than a false reckoning early. Yes. Because that doesn't necessarily change the behavior. And I assume the behavior's changed. Look, I can't sit here and pretend to understand how every individual processes things like this, but I'd like to think he's learned the hard way, the downfall and the pitfalls and the potential consequences and expenses of the private massages arranged through social media. And I think that's why the Browns have been so confident that they're not going to have an issue with Deshaun Watson going forward. He's got one specific weird thing that they're aware of right. that they assume he's stopped doing. Yes, now, right. are there other manifestations of this that they should worry about? I don't know. Until you have the true reckoning, until you submit to counseling, not because you're doing it because someone else tells you you should do it, but because you are looking for true ways to grow and change and evolve as a person – 
I guess there is a possibility that that it's not going to be quite as simple as, well, I'm going to stop doing that one thing that got me in trouble because then that one thing, whatever was causing that one thing, redirects, if that makes any sense at all. So there's a deeper issue there that clearly needs to be addressed and resolved, and, and hopefully for his sake he genuinely and truly wants to do it and isn't just telling Roger Goodell what he wants to hear so that Roger Goodell will authorize, directly or indirectly, the decision to suspend him for less than 17 games and and reach a compromise and move on. We already know that yeah. that eight games and five million in a fine had been floated by Watson is something he'd be willing to do. I don't know where that goes from here, but it sure feels like they're at least trying to set the stage for a settlement, and we'll see whether or not the settlement happens if not, a ruling's got to come at some point. We're almost two weeks into this appeal process, right. which is supposed to be expedited. Yeah, I'm shocked that it's actually taken this long. And it, it does seem like, you know, I don't know, Mike. I mean, as we the last few days, I think we went into the weekend, you and I thinking it was going to be a full season, a full year, something like that. And, you know, between what I, you know, saw from you this year, I mean, this weekend and things like that, I just, it seems like, yeah. Maybe it is going to be less than that, and they are going to go back to the bargaining table and figure something out here. Uh, you know, I, I can't help but to wonder what life would be like. You know, it's something you brought up earlier. If he just addressed this this way from the get go, you know, I think we're already moved on in life, and we know how forgiving we can be in this country with a lot of things. I mean, you can go to the base. Uh, hey, New York, up here in New York, there's the the steroid scandal, right? You know, with the baseball and all that. We had that back in the day. Andy Pettit, that guy right there, he came out right away and said, I made a mistake. I blah, blah, blah. Everybody up here forgives him. New York is like, okay, hey, Andy Pettit, you made a mistake. Roger Clemens, some of the other guys in the Yankees who refused to back down or ever say, you know, that they, they didn't take it or whatever else, nobody forgives them. Everybody, you're a damn cheater. We don't like you that much. Get out of here. So, you know, there is something to that that makes you wonder where this would all be if it was just handled appropriately from the get-go. Like you have always said, you know, getting rid of these, uh, these the, 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 the civil cases very early on in the process. And I think the other thing that, you know, that bothers a lot of people when you just look at social media or articles on pro football talk is – and, and even myself, there was an anger from him for a while. And I think that's what rubbed people wrong. Almost like an anger, like, how dare you call me out on this stuff? How dare you, you know, just between some of the actions, the way he talked in front of the microphone and the camera, like you discussed. Remember last year, even walking off the practice field with the Texans? Like, what are you guys filming? And doing things like that, being on a jet ski with his girlfriend, and the girlfriend's giving the middle finger to people making, cam- you know, video on the boat. So that just did, that rubbed people the wrong way. You were like, "Wow, that guy, might, maybe he's a jerk. Maybe we were all wrong. He's not as nice here." But he is human. It is young, and it's not an easy situation to deal with. And he won't be the first person in the history of the planet to get to that day of reckoning and then go, "You know what, man." I, I've made mistakes, and I'll be one to say that I've been there as well. You know, I, I will. I, might, I wasn't the greatest person in the world early on in my NFL career. When I lost my spleen and did things like that, it made me reevaluate. Like, man, what did I do to deserve this? Oh, actually, I think I've done a few things to deserve this, actually. So sometimes it just has to hit you in the face that way to where you feel it, to where you start to go, all right, i got to make an adjustment in my life. And – Maybe, you know, it's a little late in the game, 
but I'm still not going to be mad at him for doing it. I'm happy to see him at least cross that bridge there and try to go and move forward with life. Even now, after knowing you all this time, every time that you say I lost my spleen, it seems to me like you misplaced it. Well, I know, I know. Well, like, yeah. where's my spleen? Yeah, hey, dude, hey, where's, wait, my spleen? where's my keys and my spleen, honey? Where did I go with that? Yeah. <laughs> I, I will say this. Yeah. And n- now that they've had this turn where they've gone from attack, remember, Rusty Harden, who has represented Deshaun Watson throughout most of this mess, said. All the women are lying. All the women are lying. Well, if they're all lying, what's he apologizing for? Who's he expressing regret to if they're all lying? He's still the victim of this vast conspiracy where 23 people have been banded together by an unscrupulous lawyer who is manipulating these women into telling lies about Deshaun Watson or well, at a minimum embellishing and exaggerating. That was the thing all along. Look, I've had, I've had plenty of difficult telephone conversations with people close to Watson in the past 16 months. I know you Where have. there's indignation, anger and indignation directed at me. Why aren't you exposing these lies? Why aren't you delving into the background of these individuals and exposing the inconsistencies and in stories? Why aren't you? Right? I hear that shit all the time. Uh-huh. Or at least I used to. At least I used to. Yeah. I don't hear it anymore for some reason. Right. But I used to. So, um... Look, and I said all along, if you got a silver bullet, it's not my job to develop it and show it to the world. It's yours. If you got something that's going to get everyone to say, you're right, Rusty and everyone else close to Watson. You're right. They are fabricating. They are exaggerating. They are lying about your client. It's up to you to draw it out and prove it to us, not me. I'm not getting paid by the hour to do it. I'm just reacting to what's out there. It's been the wrong approach the whole way. There's something to this. My gut feeling all along is there's something to this. Yeah. So don't don't blame us for not doing your work. Yeah. You failed. You failed to convince anyone. And guess what? There's a reason why you failed. Based upon what we saw on Thursday night. See, Friday night. That's how, I mean, we really need to. And I know we live in this age where whatever was said most recently is all that matters. But sometimes it does make sense to to broaden the lens and take a step back and say, look, we've been fed lies. They're the ones who have been lying to us and saying that the women were the one who were lying about him. That should piss everybody off at this point. Yeah, I I, I understand. I do. And it it was the wrong approach. You know, I think you and I have been discussing this for a year and a half, the way they approach this situation. It wasn't right. Rusty Harden obviously is a, a great lawyer in a lot of ways. If I was a sports athlete, I would not be for anything that's, you know, uh, controversial. I would not be hiring Rusty Harden anytime soon. It, you know, it, I just brought up Roger Clemens and that issue. It was kind of the same thing there. They're just like, no, I never did anything, even though everybody in the world seen me do it and 90 million people have done it. And I threw faster when I was 40 than I did when I was 28. Uh, but that he was represented by Rusty too. So there's this obviously this just we're never going to give in type attitude that he likes there. And uh, yeah, it was wrong. It was wrong. All we wanted was a little remorse. You know, I think, you know, hopefully that hit with uh, Judge Sue Robinson when she wrote that. And we'll see where it goes from here. But uh, at least we're sitting here going into week, week, you know, preseason week number two. And I I have a different thought with what it's going to be with Deshaun Watson. I was thinking, really, we're going to have a full year of Deshaun Watson suspension. And Cleveland needed to call the 49ers and trade Jimmy Garoppolo. If it was a full year, that's what they got to do, it, it, you know. Eight, ten games, okay, I probably don't trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. But a full year with that football team, you do it. So 
No, no, now we're back into the mode of it does seem like it could be 10, 12, 8 games with a significant money fine, financial fine. And, you know, we'll see where it goes from there. But either way, that was one of the, you know, highlights of the weekend. You're right, him doing that. And then, of course, just seeing the reaction of the fans and what he's in store for on the field and what he looked like as a player. I, I, I was very, you know, intrigued and interested to tune in and see that uh, and see what he looked like. Before we pivot to that, yeah. I know people are going to want to know what we think is going to happen next. And obviously, we don't know. And the wind blows in a certain direction, and we try to to make decisions based upon that. Well, the wind can change suddenly, as we found on Friday, when it looked like it was moving toward a full-season suspension. And maybe they were just trying to get Watson to realize it was going to be a full-season suspension to get to the point where they settle it. But... I, I was talking to somebody on Friday afternoon thinking, okay, so it's 12, and I don't think Watson's willing to go to 12. I mean, I think this is going to be, if it settles, I don't know that it will, I think it's going to be 10, and it's going to be a fine between 5 and 10. Not all the way to 10, because $10 million is every penny he earned last year in salary. And they need to start making the case that taking away $10 million is the equivalent of treating all of last year as a suspension after the fact. Yeah, they need to start saying too. that. Yeah. They need to start getting people to understand that because too many people think he wouldn't have played anyway. No, the only reason he didn't play, he would have played for the Dolphins last year if he didn't have this off-field issue. He was de facto on paid leave last year because the Dolphins wouldn't trade for him with this cloud hanging over him legally. So you take away his money that he made last year and you treat last year like it was a suspension after the fact. So 10-10, and 10, maybe 10-8, and 8, something like that, to resolve it if the league is willing to go down to that point and if Watson is willing to go up to that point. Because just just because they're circling now the possibility of doing a deal doesn't mean they're going to do a deal. Yeah. But I would say it's going to take 10. It's got to be double digits. It's going to be 10, and it's going to be a fine in the neighborhood of 10, uh, maybe a little bit less than I'm, 10. If it settles, I think that's where it's going to be. If you're Deshaun Watson, I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I know that's $10 million. I'm, I'm running to the table and saying, yes, eight, eight games, $10 million, boom, I'm in, let's go. You know, again, for, for the amount of money he's going to make over the next few years, it, it, you know, again, it's significant. I understand that, but it's a drop in the bucket, and it's not going to change his life one bit. And I, I, if I were him, I would settle with that for sure if that, that you know, gets to that point. But, but, but it's the NFL, and I just don't know if I really see that happening. I don't know. I don't. I mean, NFL, I just would be shocked if all of a sudden it went to eight. I really would. You know, I, I, I just, it seems like, I just can't imagine it. I guess I, I'd be a if, little surprised. If the interest in settling the case is flowing from the very strong desire by folks like Robert Kraft, Jerry Jones, maybe even Daniel Snyder, although he's got enough issues to be concerned about now, but those were the three owners who were dragged into the hearing before Judge Robinson and escaped the 16-page ruling with just a general comment and a footnote that didn't nearly do the kind of damage that maybe it could have or should have. In federal court, maybe it will. If that's the thing that's getting the NFL to back off, from Watson's perspective, he's got to recognize, look, the only reason they don't want to go to court is because they don't want to have to deal with these owners being dragged through the legal mud. They ultimately think they're going to win, and I'm still... And I know every once in a while I get some blowback. Oh, we got a, oh, we got a strong case. Oh, we're going to go to court, and we're going to... Listen, you're going to lose. Why would you think you're going to win? I go. I keep going back to this. We had court cases. We had fights in the last decade. 
They go to the bargaining table in 2020. They make specific adjustments to the personal conduct policy. They still agree, the union does, to let the commissioner or his designee have final say over the process. There's nothing in there about any deference being given to the decision of Judge Robinson. The only thing they have to accept are her factual findings, and her factual findings are exactly what they need to throw them out of the league for a year. I don't know why they think they're going to win in court. The only thing that benefits them about going to court is it gives them another chance to drag some of these other owners through the mud and, and I'm not saying it's unjustified. There is a disparity in how the league treats owners and players. And let's not lose sight of that. We know what the league would like to do to Deshaun Watson. But yeah, to the extent that there would be a federal case, Chris, where they point out how some get a pass if you're an owner of a team or your punishment isn't nearly what it should be or could be and players get a much stronger outcome. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting front row for that with popcorn. If that argument's going to be made, if the NFL is going to be forced to treat players and owners with the same standard, it should be. So if that's the only reason why I think a settlement's on the table. I think the NFL wants to avoid that reckoning, at least for now. Yeah, I can understand that. But, you know, yeah, yes. But like we said, it's not exactly apples to apples there. And, you know, we, we've talked about this over Agreed. the last two weeks. So it, it is a little different. And I don't want to go down that path and trying to compare each to each other here and all of that. But either way, I understand that case, and I understand your point. You're right. The NFL does not want to be you know, dragged through the mud there and have to deal with some of their things that are the skeletons in their closet and bring that out to the public view. That certainly wouldn't be something that the owners of the, the Shield wants. Let me make this point, and then we'll move on to what happened over the weekend with the game and the aftermath and what the Browns do need to be worried about when they go on the road with Deshaun Watson whenever the suspension ends. The Robert Kraft case is the one that gets mentioned most commonly with Deshaun Watson because at the core, it's, it's the same activity. It's right. the massage that turns into a sexual encounter. But obviously, now look, Robert Kraft was charged. The charges were dismissed, but he was never accused of doing anything to exert any pressure of nonviolent sexual assault. That was never even on the table. Right. That, that, that was not part of it. That, that, it. It was just the act of being involved in a massage that becomes a sexual encounter that that crosses the line into prostitution. That's it, okay? Watson's case, far different. But here's the one that I think the NFL should be concerned about. The NFL should be concerned about the notion that in 2015, Rich Dalrymple, then the right-hand man of Jerry Jones, went into the cheerleaders' locker room at AT&T Stadium and secretly filmed cheerleaders while they were changing clothes. We don't know why. We don't know who knew about it. We don't know who told him to do it. It was never explored. It was never examined. All we know is the Cowboys coughed up $2.4 million, and as best I can tell, never told the league about it at the time, which is a no-no. You, you, you're supposed to. You have a mandate under the personal conduct policy to let the league know of any potential violation. And if you're paying $2.4 million to three cheerleaders who allegedly – were being secretly filmed by a top executive of the team while they were changing clothes, that's probably something that should be shared with the league. And now here we are seven years later, it comes to light, and Chris, the league puts its head in the sand and does nothing. Nothing! That's the one I'd be worried about if I was sitting in a big office at 345 Park Avenue right now because that's the one that was completely unexplored, unscrutinized, and is crying out for further investigation. That's the one. That's the one that is far more similar to Kraft yeah. because it involves misconduct directed to women, even though there was no, yeah, 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 again, it's apples and oranges, but it's off of the same poisonous tree. Yeah, I That's the you. one. 
that's the one that you could really make some hay with uh, if you yeah. get to court. Yeah, well, I, I, listen, Mike, you know, I'm going to bring back my favorite phrase from two weeks ago. Yeah, that seemed like a coup d'etat there for sure. I, I don't know. I've never seen issues get swept under the rug and fall off the radar quicker than they do there in Dallas sometimes. And I think we could, there's even other issues that we could go, how did nobody still talking about that? Where did that go, that subject? So, uh, yeah, I don't know. The fix is in there. I don't really know or understand how. Uh, but, yes, uh, certainly fishy. I'm, I'm with you there, Michael. Long history of finding a way to brush things under the rug somehow, some way. And that one clearly has been brushed under the rug. And I don't know that it stays under the rug if Deshaun Watson's case goes to federal court. All right, Deshaun Watson played in three series on Friday night in Jacksonville, one for five for seven yards. Now, there were a couple of drops. Yeah. His first throw was like, who the hell was that to? But there were a couple of drops along the way after the game. Kevin Stefanski said that he, he, he had some throws he'd like to have back, but he didn't have many throws. I mean, I, that's the thing. I, I The thing I don't like about preseason, a guy never gets to play enough to really get into a rhythm. Exactly. To really get comfortable. Should have catched really, this here, you know, slant, Schwartz. Yeah, make, some, make right. some adjustments based upon what the defense is doing. That's all. That's all. That, that, the, the, the preseason is false and fake in that regard. You never get a chance to develop within the course of a game. No, exactly. It, it is hard. It is hard. And, you know, again, you're – you're, it's, it's, it's your first time out in the field. Some of the Jacksonville guys got to play last week a little bit, so they're used to playing. Uh, the nerves are there. I don't care who you are. You know, again, I don't think – don't over-evaluate it, right? Like we talk about, how did he look? How did he look as an athlete? Even that first throw he missed on the bootleg to the left, man, I mean, the ball popped out of his hand. That was the first thing I went. I went, whoa, that was like a vapor trail. And then, yes, he has the drop by Schwartz. He has another play right a little later. I think it was the second series where it ended up being a holding, but he scrambled to the right and made a really nice throw. I think it was second and 17 or so, and the ball was dropped by Schwartz again. But, you know, you saw Deshaun Watson's talent is it's, you, 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 you know, it's easy to see. It, it jumps off the screen. And that's for sure. And you're right. It wasn't perfect statistic-wise, but I don't get too involved in that for the reasons you said. It's a practice preseason game. Not all of it was his fault. I just look at the guy, look at the player, and how does he look? I know as this preseason and season goes on, he'll read a defense better and throw the ball a hair more accurate and won't be quite so nervous. Man, that was, that was a big moment for him. I can't imagine how nervous he was going out there on the football field and then let alone, like we've discussed a little, just – the reaction he was getting in pregame warm-ups when he was going on the field, man, there's a lot to deal with there mentally, and he's going to have to get used to that if he you know, wants to play football this year. We'll talk about that in a moment. For now, let's hear from Browns head coach Kevin Stefanski regarding Deshaun Watson's performance and his pregame apology. Yeah, I think he probably wants some throws back. Uh, obviously, playing football for the first time in a while, I thought it was important for him to get out there with his teammates in this scheme, uh, just hearing a different voice in the helmet, those type of things. So I'm sure he had the butterflies and, and the jitters uh, early. Um, but I think he's uh, he understands there's work to do. I've been around Deshaun now for a, a few months, and uh, I know he wants to grow. I, I know that he does. And, and uh, that's personally, that's professionally. And I think he's very, very serious about doing that. And I think that's part of, uh, part of that next step for him. Well, it's been part of that next step for a long, long time. And again, it's good that he's finally realizing he needs to apologize. If it's real, it's accepted, and we move forward. And 
And look, he's still got one pending civil case. I mean, that's the danger of saying the things he said from a dollars and cents standpoint. It does make the expectation of the person who's still suing you go up when he's finally acknowledging that he did something that he shouldn't have done. But uh, he's going to get to play some more in the preseason. The Browns accept the fact that week one isn't an issue. Remember that thing from a couple of weeks ago right. where people were suggesting they'd somehow play week one? No, Jacoby Brissett's the start of week one. Deshaun Watson's missing the first six games of the season. The question is how many more after that will he miss? And they're going to actually back off on practice reps this week for Deshaun Watson, Chris, more for Jacoby Brissett, right. more for Josh Dobbs because they recognize those are the guys who are going to be in position to be playing once the regular season gets started in Carolina in 27 days. Yeah, they, they, that, that's, that's the formula. They got to go with that. They got to get ready for week one. That's the number one thing uh, as far as w- what the Browns organization has to do. And now Deshaun Watson, he's going to yeah, take a back seat. He'll get to we'll just get some work after practice. That's where he's going to catch up. But he's going to get treated, as far as reps are concerned, kind of like a backup now, third stringer. And it'll be on him and the coaching staff to kind of just keep him you know, sharp as far as the offense, the language, the checks, and all of that. But uh, he, he's got some good people around him. There's no doubt. Kevin Stavansky, I'm not going to sit here and tell you he's a great coach. He's a good coach so far. He really is. But one thing I know about Kevin Stavansky, with knowing a lot of people around him, him, Alex Van Pelt, Brian Callahan, the offensive co- uh, uh, run, run game coach, the offensive line coach, they are good people. They are really good people. I've been around them, and I, you know, I think that their good ways will rub off on Deshaun Watson, and hopefully they can show him the right leadership to where he can kind of change his life around as well. Well, uh, the question remains, how many weeks will they have to wait for him when the season begins? Will they have him at all this season? And, and what happens when he does play in a regular season game? Because there was a viral video had over 3.3 million views as of last night of a chant that seemed pretty loud coming from one of the end zones in Jacksonville directed at Watson. And I think that's just a glimpse of what it's going to be like in Baltimore, in Pittsburgh. Be worse there. In Buffalo. Right. Right. It's going to be a lot worse in a regular season game with a full stadium with some zealous fans who have – Every reason to look for anything they can to try to get under the skin yeah, of the opponent. Help your team. Here it is. Right. Here it is on a silver platter. Yeah. Anytime Deshaun Watson comes to town. And I don't think this goes away. I don't think this ever goes away. Probably not. This is this is one of the problems of fighting at tooth and nail for 17 months. This is so baked in to how people regard Deshaun Watson. I mean, really, it's like other names that you utter that are forever tainted. We could rattle off names of others that are forever tainted based upon issues like this. I, I don't think that I, ever goes away. I, I hear you. It's going to be a tough as one. As long as he plays football, he's going to be hearing it, Chris. Yeah, uh, uh, 100%. He is, and it's we're going to see how mentally strong he is throughout this process. You're right. We've seen, you know, I think even like, remember John Rocker back in the day, right? One of the best closers in baseball said all those stupid racist things like an idiot you know, which he was, he was an idiot, but either way, he heard about it and he melted. He just, he melted into, in, into the background. Never, he never was the same guy because every time he went on the field, it was just boo, you jerk, you jerk. And that's certainly something to watch here. Just the, the psychology of all of it and how Deshaun Watson can handle that. The three word chant 
that was used by Jaguars fans was jarring. And it's the kind of thing that is simple and easy to get a crowd to do. And once they start doing it, it it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna take off. I think it's going to be a thing. He's due to play week seven in Baltimore. I don't think he'll be there for that one. But if he plays at all this year, you know where the season ends. It ends week 18 at Pittsburgh. I, uh, I, look, it's, it, it just, it's unavoidable at this point. Joel Petonio talked about it yesterday, and he said, well, you know, we always get booed on the road. But, yeah, it's probably going to be a little bit more now. But it's just all the more reason it's Cleveland against the world. Well, as most people reacted when I tweeted his comments last night, they're rooting for the world in this one. That's the thing. This isn't exactly a sympathetic cause for the Browns to rally around. It's just, it's just an odd situation. And again, the Browns willingly, voluntarily welcomed this. The balance of we got a great quarterback and he's going to lead us to great places, and there are going to be some drawbacks. One of the drawbacks beyond the length of the suspension is the fact that you're going to forever now have this element when you travel, and you're going to put your your team, your players, in a bad spot. That they have to say things like, it's Cleveland against the world on an issue like this. This isn't just, you know, we're not properly respected, or nobody believes in us, it's us against the world. No, it's kind of like us against the world because we're rallying around a guy that the rest of the world really, really, you know, has no regard for right now. So it's just it just makes an awkward situation even more awkward, Chris. Yeah, it's it's awkward. It is. I got nothing more to say. <laughs> Let's go ahead and take a break. Let's, Let's take a break. When we return, there was a, a near miss for the New York Jets when it comes to that possibility ever present of a quarterback going down for the full season in the preseason we'll talk about what happened to zach wilson and what his status currently is when this monday edition of pft live continues right after this uh, he's on his way to la uh to have his uh his procedure and and then we wait they'll know more once they get in there we're optimistic but uh he's not out of the woods until they get in there and, and make the decision based on all the information that's been presented to us uh feel good but again you as i'm learning you never know Robert Sala, coach of the New York Jets, regarding the knee injury that was suffered non-contact Friday night by second-year quarterback Zach Wilson. There were speculations, and obviously you never know what it's going to be until you, you do the full examination. Anytime a knee gives out when a guy's running and he's not touched, I mean, the easy thing is, and the team's always concerned about the worst-case scenario, which is the torn ACL, which yeah. knocks the guy out for the full year. That's not the case with... Zach Wilson, it's a bone bruise with a meniscus trim, not the full-blown repair. You do a full meniscus repair, you're out for a long time. The trim is where they just take some of the cartilage away that's causing a problem. That cartilage, once it's gone, it's gone. Uh, that, that's the, always the argument of, of trim versus repair. If you repair it, you still have your full complement of cartilage. If you trim it, you got less cartilage, and cartilage is like money in the bank. Once it's gone, it's gone. And you got bone on bone for the rest of your life. But that, that was the decision that's been made. Flying to L.A. to have this done just shows you that guys sometimes are more comfortable with their own doctor off campus, off site. I don't know what I, I don't know if he's going to Neil Alatrosh in L.A. I don't know where he's going, but he's flying all the way across the country to have this done. And they, they won't know until they see in the arthroscopic procedure what the full damage is. But uh, they expect him to miss four weeks it looks like it's probably going to be joe flacco week one but it's all right. to be determined and uh obviously they avoided what would have been the worst case scenario but we still don't know how bad 
this case is. Well, it, that's it's still. It was one of those where I thought it was the ACL, like like you just said. I mean, when you see that type of injury, you always go, "Oh man, it's it's ACL." You know, it, it, and I was heartbroken, of course, heartbroken for the Jets. You know, the New York area is so excited about the weapons here and Zach Wilson. And you listen to anybody connected with the Jets. They, Zach Wilson has been absolutely stellar through training camp. I mean, stellar. And you you know you're sitting there watching this game and. Joe Douglas and Matt, Robert Sala, they looked like they saw a ghost because they just sat there and went, oh, my gosh, here we go. The year's over before it even started. And, yeah, they, they dodged a bullet here. You know, still, well, you're, you're right. We'll see how this goes. But, you know, Wilson, you know, even in that, the dumb interception he threw, which was a horrible, horrible play, you see, I, you know, again, to me, like we just talked about with Watson, the talent pops off the screen, even in that run, just how quick he is to get out and turn the corner. And then the way the ball pops off his hand. So this is a team that's excited about the young nucleus they have. And, you know, it seemed like everything was going in the right direction. But it, it goes back, you know, it's, it's frustrating to me because, Mike, it, always, it goes back to the old story we talk about all the time. It's the same knee hurt last year, right? And in the NFL, things are, they just mask problems more times than not. So many teams and things, they don't fix them. They just mask them. And they don't get everything to work back the right way. And, yeah, you get hurt again. So he's going to someone he trusts in L.A. to, to get this done. But uh, at the very least, I'm glad it doesn't seem like at this point it's going to be anything that's going to be full season. He should be back some point early in the year. And, and hopefully he can regain his form that he's shown the Jets uh, throughout training camp. He had the PCL injury in the knee last year that right. caused him to miss some time. There was some concern Friday, Saturday, that maybe that was implicated again. For now, bone bruise with the meniscus tear. Ooh. It will just be trimmed, but pending the arthroscopic procedure, there may be further damage that is discovered. And the Jets already have a ridiculously difficult schedule to start the season. Um, and, and now it gets harder if it's Joe Flacco at the helm and and uh what a way to start the season he gets his old team the ravens it's been so long since he played for the ravens it's easy to easy to forget that he ever did play for the ravens but he did obviously and he was the highest paid player in the nfl while playing for the ravens super bowl champion and super bowl mvp but uh there's a good chance he'll be the quarterback for that first game against. they got a good backup situation they they, they're not they're not they shouldn't be devastated to what you're saying between him or mike white mike white hall of famer right (laughs) right you were so you were so mad about that last year oh my gosh game against the Bengals. yes and they're they're ready to they're ready to carve the bust (laughs) yeah they were ready to carve the bust you know again it was a a nice performance but they were going to throw zach wilson out the door right there for mike white and a bunch of four yard passes uh that's where i just was like come on everybody like let's 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 get to back back to our senses zach wilson has got special talent so we'll see if he can regain that and get healthy here soon the four-yard pass is 33% longer than the three-yard pass that they're perfecting in South Florida, so don't knock the four-yard pass, buddy. <laughs> uh, let's go up to the Pacific Northwest as they try to figure out who will be the successor to Russell Wilson. Geno Smith has had the lead for all of the offseason program and training camp, and he started on Saturday night up the road in Pittsburgh. Long trip for the Seattle Seahawks. Here's Pete Carroll after he got back home talking about his two quarterbacks, Geno Smith, and Drew Locke. 
As it turned out, both guys, that was a, a good outing because they had a lot of pressure on them, you know, to, to have to get things done. We were coming from behind and, and, and drives to, you know, to go ahead and all that kind of stuff. That was really, uh, and I'm anxious to see how, how it looks when we break it down. But those were, that's the kind of options we're looking for, to, to see how the guys were doing. Red zone stuff, third, big third. I think we were 5 for 11 on third downs or something like that, you know, so the guys came through a little bit there too. I may have misspoken given that funky logo on the podium. That may be the AccraSure logo, which means that may have happened immediately after the game. Either way, both quarterbacks did look good. And and I think if it's even remotely close, I think we're on the same page here. If it's yeah. remotely close, it's Geno Smith. Pete Carroll wants to win, especially week one, four weeks from tonight, when Russell Wilson and the Broncos go to Seattle. I think Pete Carroll would love nothing more than to beat Russell Wilson with his former backup. Well, they're both talented. Uh, they, they are. That, that's one thing you see. They're, they got physical gifts. They can make every throw. They can escape out of the pocket. You know, So there's that ability. I do think it's going to go back. I'm with you, Mike. Yes, I do think Geno is the guy that's you know probably the leader here because he's been there. There's history. He understands how Pete Carroll wants to play, right? Drew Locke did have the turnover where that, you know, even though it wasn't his fault, you know, they'd still go, oh, well, he turns over every now and then, even though he got hit from behind, and it wasn't really his fault. You know, he can't block and do that all the time. And, you know, again, uh, w- with this, too, you, you got to evaluate the situation. It wasn't apples to apples. You know, both played really good. Geno, in my opinion, was in the tougher situation. Geno had to play against a lot of starters on the Pittsburgh defense. So people got to look at that, too, and we can evaluate maybe when the roles are reversed next game. But Geno got to play with, you know, other than Cam Hayward and, and T.J. Watt, he had to play the Pittsburgh defense. Miles, Miles uh, Jack and, and Devin Bush and uh, the, the secondary guys, other than Minka Fitzpatrick, were all out there. And then he didn't have, you know, D, uh, D.K. Metcalf or, or Lockett. So life was a little harder for him. He hung in there and, and got his rhythm and made some nice plays. And then when Drew Locke got in, hey, you can say what you want about Drew Locke, and we'll see if he can continue to be a good quarterback and be trustworthy. But his talent is, an, is another guy. It just pops off the screen. The way, as easy as he can throw the football, and again, he's a big and athletic too, it's going to be interesting. You know, it's not every day you get two guys where you go, whoa, they both got strong arms. Whoa, they both can get out of you know, trouble. And I think ultimately it'll be the, the trust tree factor like you brought up, Mike, that, that ultimately wins Geno unless something you know dramatic happens. And I feel like it's inevitable in a case like this where you have two guys that are that close. At some point you're going to see both of them, either because of injury or because the team just says, so, yeah, it sputters we, out we've a got to try right. to reinvigorate our season and we have to go with the other guy. Right. And I, I feel like if that's the reality, it really is better to let the incumbent try to hold on to the job as long as he can. And then once we know, once we know, everybody will kind of know. Exactly. Time to turn the page to the other guy. And I think it's easier to go Smith to Locke than Locke to Smith. I I would agree with that too. I I think if it's it's the way you're talking about and you throw Locke out there and – it becomes a little bit, okay, now they're two and four or one and three and he's thrown some bad interceptions. To me, that's just going to you know, bring more issues to the organization where they're just going to make, well, I mean, what do you expect? What are you guys, idiots? Drew Locke, he's always turning the ball over and doing things like this. So uh, I'm with you in that aspect. Gino knows the offense a little bit better. 
Uh, he seems to know how to take care of the football, Seattle style, the way we saw last year. And, of course, we saw him. He can push the ball down the field. And, and the other night, I mean, he made some amazing escapes when he had pressure on him. Uh, Russell Wilson-ish like there just to get out of trouble and, and keep the offense in some good situations. Since we're a few minutes ahead of schedule as of right now, I'm going to exercise executive privilege here and deviate to a topic that's mentioned in Peter King's Football Morning in America. Yeah. And that's this whole Jimmy G timeline with the 49ers. And obviously there was that that quick eruption of, oh, Jimmy G to the Jets on Friday night when people were concerned about Zach Wilson. But that's what the 49ers are waiting for. Right. That season-ending injury somewhere that opens a trade market for Jimmy G. But Peter King talks about, you know, the cut to 53 is coming up in a couple of weeks, and we've tried to break this down. Will they keep him beyond the cut to 53? Will they hold him all the way until just before the start of the regular season? Would they dare to keep him into the regular season in the hopes of being able to trade him eventually? It all depends on how stubborn they are. But, Chris, what caught my eye was something that I missed until I saw it in Peter's column today. The report from Mike Silver, now at the San Francisco Chronicle, that after Jimmy Garoppolo got his big contract in 2018, he basically went AWOL. But, not, not that, look, yeah. in, in that stage of the offseason, you're not allowed to meet. You're not allowed to have players in the facility unless they're rehabbing injuries. There are very clear rules on what can and can't be done. But I think coaches kind of like the idea of being in communication. You know, it's, it, it happens. Franchise quarterback, you're all in. It's a 12-month-a-year job. There's no offseason for a franchise quarterback. And apparently there was some dismay that in 2018, after he got his money, he just disappeared oh. until it was time to show up for the offseason program. Mike, Mike, you, you've heard me allude to this before. I, I, I've, I've said this even on Dan Patrick, I believe, a few weeks ago. I even think I said it to Colin Coward. You know, I, this, is, this is a thing. This is this is weird, and this is not Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan again. They, we're friends. He, we don't talk about the 49ers. He didn't tell me this. I know so many people out there in San Francisco. Kyle couldn't keep track of it. Track of it. I've heard this from players, ex coaches. There, he goes off the radar all the time. All the time. Nobody can get in contact with him. But his first year in off season there, that's when I was made aware of it. I'm not going to name the player I was at, but I was at an event. And the player who was a long-standing player with the 49ers was like, I can't get the quarterback to call me back. I've called them every day for a month. You hear it from everybody. I've heard it from ex-coaches who have moved on and just gone, yeah, it's weird. You know, they, the, the organizations tried to reach out to him times and, and explain things to him, and they, they can't get a hold of him to the point where I think they've had to like drive to his house and knock on the door and be like, hello, are you alive? Are you there? So, yeah, I mean, I think that that's why there's the 49er fan base that wants, you know, why are we getting Jim, rid of Jimmy Garoppolo? I, I think there's more than just the play on the field at hand here. And, yeah, I think a lot of the NFL knows these stories a little bit. And I think that's why maybe, you know, we've had some teams kind of drag their feet and, and not sure if they really want to go all in on the Jimmy Garoppolo trade. Well, and – Hardly ideal for that to be coming out now because, again, other positions you can get away with it. Quarterback position, it's harder to justify. It's harder to reconcile. And as somebody who is attached to this damn thing 24-7, I can't imagine not getting back to someone. I hear that excuse from time to time from people. Well, you know, I mean, it's one thing if, if you're not in the public eye and in the media and dealing with people all the time. How do you not? respond to your text messages how do you not 
return phone calls? How do you just ignore people for weeks and months at a time? It doesn't mesh with the life that Jimmy Garoppolo has chosen. If you want to oh, wow. act that way, you're in the wrong line of work. Just like if you're in the media and you're going to act that way, you're in the wrong line of work. That's what's so weird about it. After they've given you, you know, a market-setting contract, $27.5 million a year, and you're just going to disappear on them, that's a tough one. And it makes me wonder why they stuck with him for as long as they did. Yeah, well, you know, I, I think there was, you know, like we, like we, the, the way if we take ourselves back to that time, right? There was the desperation of the, whoa, we're zero and ten, we got to make something happen. They got and traded him. Okay, he got on the field. The, the things are all good. It's new. You know, he gives them a little life at the end of that first year with Kyle Shanahan, and they're getting to know him in the process. But you know, probably don't know him all the way apparently to to the way, you know, we're, we're hearing about these stories here. But, yeah, this is something that's kind of been percolating through the NFL. And, um, yeah, it's, it's funny that it all kind of came out here so publicly as of late. I, I, you know, like, like I said, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. I've alluded to it before, and it was always a little like, man, nobody really seems to care that I just said that. Uh, but now, you know, hey, with Michael Silver, Peter King writing about it, there's, there's certainly everybody's going to know about it. I, I will say this. Say what you will about Kirk Cousins. But there's never been any suggestion that he ignores the coaching staff for weeks and weeks well, at a time in the offseason. Well, like you said, it's, 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 it's odd. It's just odd. Quarterbacks are not wired that way. Quarterbacks are like, oh, like, oh wait, my, my wife's calling? Uh, uh, oh, wait, oh well, there's a guy on the team calling, too. Uh, uh, be quiet, wife. Let me talk to the team guy. I don't worry about my wife right now. Oh, coach is calling? Let me get on the phone with coach. I mean, you know how I was. I mean, John Gruden was calling me in Italy on my honeymoon. On uh, your honeymoon. Right. When, so, are you ba- when are you coming back? Yeah, when are you, when coming, are you back? coming back? Exactly right. So uh, that is very odd. And, and you, you know, to think the Tom Brady's and the Peyton Manning's of the world or anybody else that way certainly are, are always on call that way and ready to discuss football or what it takes for the organization to be better. And it's not, not, you know, usual practice by a quarterback for sure. Let's take a break. When we return, some initial impressions of some of the young quarterbacks this weekend in week one of the 2022 preseason with a game of word association. We'll do that next on this Monday edition of PFT Live. 